0: Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippi, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, we welcome back my friend, Simon Rosenberg. One thing I've been thinking about the last few weeks is how do Democrats avoid falling into a message trap? How do we run? On the enormous successes under the Biden administration so far. And why aren't we shouting it from the rooftops? On this one, Simon's a kindred spirit. His Twitter is a must follow. And one of his tweets is why I wanted to have him back on the show today. Simon, welcome back.
0: It's great to be here, Joe.
1: So Alex and I were talking about this. And uh, we when we saw you, you, you have this, I think, a, a really good tweet that comes out kind of unfiltered on the up-to-date economic numbers um, that you're putting out pretty regularly every time uh, there's there's economic news. And you make a, a bunch of pretty obvious points, I think. But for some reason, uh, I don't think Democrats writ, writ large have have sort of glommed onto them and started to process what you're talking about. You know, that that, that it's our leadership on jobs. You've pointed out, you know, four times as many Biden jobs under Biden as under the last three GOP presidents combined. 44 million jobs created since 1989. You know, of those 42 million, 96% have been created under Democratic presidents. I mean, you keep going on with this stuff and I think anyway, I, I one, I wanted to call our listeners' attention to uh, your tweets on this, and they should start to if they haven't already been following you, they they should. Uh, but I wanted you to to talk to this a bit about what you think we need to do and and also like you know one thing, the Republicans repeat things over the big lie over and over and over again. Sometimes Democrats hit this stuff, but it's like a one day thing, and then we never talk about it again uh, yeah. w- without that repetitive discipline. Anyway, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on all that.
0: Yeah, look, you just put a lot on the table. So let me try to, let me try to go uh, piece by piece. Is that I do think that the Democratic Party, to some degree, is in a little bit of a communications crisis, um, if I could say that. You know, if you probably are most significant achievement since the end of the Cold War in 1989, when everything changed, was that we've been very successful stewards of the American economy repeatedly, right? We've seen very strong growth under Clinton, Obama, and Biden. The Republicans, on the other hand, have brought three consecutive recessions. Uh, Under Democrats, the deficit's come way down. It's gone way up under Republicans. And as you point out on this basic stat, you know, Democrats have been in office for 17 years during this period. Republicans have been in office for 16 years. And during these 33 years, there have been 44 million new jobs created in America, 42 million under Democratic presidents. It's basically a whole lot of jobs under Democrats and basically nothing under Republicans. And the Republicans have brought spiraling massive deficits, right? The public doesn't know any of this. Our our, our own voters don't know any of this. On 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 a question that Navigator, the Navigator polling outfit uh, asked, and I am I really like their work, they asked, you know, do you know that more jobs were created in 2021 than 2020? And only about 35% of Democrats knew there were more jobs created in 2021 than in 2020. Now, let's go with the numbers. were In 2020, we had a year where there was massive job loss. We lost millions and millions of jobs. And it was one of the worst years of job creation in American history. And in 2021, we had more jobs created than any year in American history. So the idea that our own voters didn't know that, you know, we had seen this huge job increase is a sign that, you know, we're not communicating well about our the basic work we're doing. Um, and and it gets into the second part, which is I, I think that we want, if I could give advice to the powers that be, I think that they assume that people are paying attention to what they're doing every day. And And that's a mistake. And the reason why you have to repeat things again and again and again and again is that people actually don't want to pay attention to politics. They want to coach Little League and be with their families. And they want leaders to, to take care of things. And, and I think there's an assumption in our business that voters are actually paying close attention to what we're doing. And I think they're I think we're wrong about that. I think we ha- it's why we have to ha- narrow down, regardless of what we're doing, the things that we're talking about, have to be far fewer things, and we have to repeat, repeat, repeat,
1: repeat. Well, I think that same poll showed that actually uh, more Americans thought we had job losses uh, in 2022 yeah. than 2021. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, had it absolutely upside down. Um, but but that also gets to you know what I what I've been saying is look that repeated lie. Will defeat the unrepeated truth every time. In other words, they are repeating the lie, you know, you know, or uh, um, and and repeating, you know, things that create fear. And the the truth, you know, the truth of what you're talking about, the job creation, the, uh, doesn't get repeated. It's the truth. It doesn't get repeated, and that's why you can get to a, a poll that shows not, you know, a majority of Democrats don't know. Uh, uh, where uh that, that jobs uh the number of jobs that were created, uh, or that we had job increases and the number uh, and that in fact the major not a majority but a larger proportion of Americans think there were job losses. Why? Because the lie of of economic you know of of uh, uh the attacks on Biden are repeated over and over again. And the Democrats have not learned that we've got to repeat the truth over and over again in yeah. the same way.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. It's why, if you follow me on Twitter or look at the work I do at NDN, you know we we are. I'm repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. And what's been amazing to me is how many Democrats don't know these basic statistics about the things that we've done, about who our party is, and what we've done. And, and you know, the Democratic Party has been a remarkably successful force for good over the last 30 plus years. And if you look at voters, by the way, one of the indications of this is if you look at voters who came of age politically after Ronald Reagan, right, basically people in their mid to late 40s and younger, those voters grew up with Clinton, Obama, Biden, the two Bushes, and Trump. And if what I'm saying is true, that the country's been much better since 1989 when Democrats were in power, then that should show up among younger people who grew up and came of age politically after 1989 and in this last election under 45 year old voters were plus 17 for democrats they were in the 20s in 2018 there's a huge yawning gap for people who came of age politically after reagan you know um between democrats and republicans and that's based on their lived experience right it's based on hey when democrats are in power things get better when republicans are in power you know, we have recessions and job loss and you know huge spiraling deficits and and so I, I think that voters actually know this, right? Intrinsically based on their party allegiance. But the Democratic Party doesn't know this. And, and I think this is a the good thing is, Joe, this is a fixable problem. Right. Right. I mean, there I are agree. a lot of things we can't we can't fix, um, but this is a fixable problem. I've called on the DNC to run a national campaign where they spend $50 million this year. On television advertising, telling this basic story that when we're in power, things get better. When they're in power, things get worse. And then to ask every Democratic operative and an activist and anyone who considers themselves a Democrat to learn this data and to amplify it in their own communities. And I think if we were to do that, I think we could change the needle on this stuff because it's much easier, as you know, being a political guy, selling things that are true than selling things that are not true. And this stuff is all true.
1: Well, I think the other thing that does, uh, and and I I agree with you about, you know, your prescription, but the other thing it does is it makes the election a choice and not a referendum. And they want to make this a lie about Biden and make it a referendum about Biden. And then that, you know, uh, uh, washes against Democrats uh, nationwide. And that's what they're doing with the repeated, uh, with with their repetition. I I think if we go into it, 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 you have to go in to 2022 and 2024, um, that this isn't a referendum, it's a choice. It's a choice, be- it, you know, two parties are not the same. It's a choice between a party that created 42 million jobs out of the 44 million and a party that, that basically voted against most of the job creating bills and mech, you know, and, and, and agenda that Democrats put forward. Uh, it's a party that, with calm, steady leadership, led through uh covid maybe didn't get it right every single time uh, but versus a party that threw hurdle after hurdle after hurdle and called it a hoax and everything i mean it's it's making that choice and i think the economic choices is one that's really important um in, including that yeah we've created all these jobs fastest uh job growth ever you know are the economy um, has, at times, and looks to continue to do this, been um, have faster growth than China, which is like the first time in, like, decades that that's decades. That, that been the case. Um, and, and yes, uh, with COVID supply chain issues, inflation worldwide, not just here in the United States, the, a party, uh, Joe Biden, doing everything he can to keep that economy moving, and at the same time re- doing everything possible to reduce the economic impact of of the inf- the supply chain issues, Putin's war. Uh yeah, including the bills that every republican voted against that got this economy moving as fast and as strong as it is with all those jobs. So I think we've got to, the more we make it that choice uh and not otherwise it's just a referendum, hey, you inflation's up there. You look at your your uh the the gas pump and vote against everybody who's in there even though we're the, the the democrats are the only ones are are why we've got a faster growing economy and a stronger economy than any other country in the world right now yes with supply chain issues other issues yes there's a, a, a gonna be uh economic pain to work our way through this but there's a party that's doing everything it can to help working people another party that wants to one put Tax them, because they think they want to tax people uh, and get their skin in the game. If you're making thirty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars or less, and not and, and not uh, do anything, uh, you know, not tax people over four hundred thousand. I mean, it's the exact opposite of what needs to happen right now, um, and we need to make that choice clear to people.
2: So, Joe and it, and then Simon, I want your take too. But Joe, have you in your in your forty years, ever seen this kind of disconnect tactically between the two parties at, at, at this kind of this golf and messaging and tactics at this level? It just feels like everything we do as a party, our no. hands are just tied behind our backs. And I'm just wondering if, there, if there's any point you've seen it this bad. No,
1: no. And the reason I think is, look, they uh, and I we keep harping about this is, look, they they spent. Decades and billions of dollars building Fox News, Breitbart, uh, OAN, Newsmax, y- and other web networks, et cetera. You know, uh, uh, to amplify and repeat. You know, they have the the, re- the repetitive outrage machine. That didn't just happen two years ago. It's been being built uh, with billions of dollars invested in it. One of the problems, not only. Democrats or pro democracy, forget about what party you're in. Um, not only do we not understand, I think, that the the, the necessity to to uh, repeat and amplify things, both positive and and, and contrast. Not, I mean, I think there's there's actually greater understanding of that today. Uh, but still, not no ability to implement it, right? There's no, there has been no mechanism. There is no uh, existing uh, network of people to amplify. There's no Breitbart of of pro democracy, or no, de- you know, there's just it doesn't exist um, in the in the at the same scale and at the same investment. And so that's why our hands seem to be tied, first of all, and why it's more important than ever. Um, that our democratic leadership um, and candidates repeat it over and over again. Um, that those of us who do get the assignment, uh, follow Simon and and get the message and start to amplify a unified message against the lies and the outrage machine. Because the outrage machine tomorrow we're already seeing this with uh, Abbott sending the the twenty four to thirty six uh, uh, immigrants that he put on a bus and sent to Washington, D.C., that Fox just happened to be where the bus pulled up at Union Station, um, the only network that seemed to know where the bus was pulling up. And you've now got the caravan panic season uh, starting early this year, Um, must be climate change. And so this is what they're going to create, these outrages. Uh, And they've got the mechanism to get Literally millions of people to re- to to repeat those for them. Uh, that's why Trump was so powerful on Twitter. Right, he would he would tweet something and 17 million or so. Some a lot of them, uh, some of them weren't followers, but most of them were. Uh, would then amplify it. We don't have anything like that on our side. That's why it's more incumbent for every time Democrats on the air. Um, uh, uh, writing something, giving a speech to talk about this, and to make make it a choice, not a not a referendum, and to get the facts out there. And then we need to amplify them every time we see uh, uh, someone, you know, uh, uh, some content that we can amplify to get that out there.
0: Well, let me add just two quick things. One is that you know the other thing I'm called on. I, I was part of the war room in 1992 in the war room concept was, you know, 20, 30 kids working in the headquarters to, you know, be operating in real time communications. I think we need to reimagine the war room as 4 million people going to work every day, amplifying, you know, narrative and story coming. I think it has to be in the short term, the DNC. It's the only institution we really have that can play this role. Uh, And, you know, there are, you know, the the Democrats are proud of their party. and, And I think the DNC needs to reinvent the war room to invite millions of democrats to come in and be part of the information war and to amplify the stuff that's coming out of the party we don't do that i mean we're not asking people to amplify the republican what joe what you said and i've studied this stuff in disinformation i ran the disinformation project at the d in 2018. it is amazing when you track and you, we have tools to watch narrative and story go through the internet Republicans are highly wired together. They're highly networked. Their stuff moves with incredible speed and velocity. It's why they're always their stuff is always out in front of us. We're always responding to them because they're it's it's speed and it's also size, right? They can move through large numbers of people. There's no amplification system in the Democratic Party at all. There isn't anything, right? And so we have to build some kind of amplification system. We have to do a very trippy like thing which is we have to ask democrats to be partners in the fight not donors to the cause we have to reimagine our supporter base as being partners in this information war as opposed to people we're getting money in order to put ads on the air and and it's this is stuff you were talking about 20 years ago joe right and and it's we still aren't there as a party the second thing i want to say is that on this economic front i i really i i really do want to just Put out there that we're really dealing with like sky is red, sky is blue kind of stuff here, right? Is that right now with the economy? I mean, there, this is, we are living through probably the most significant period of growth and job creation that any of us will live through in our entire lives. I mean, the, the economic data on this stuff, we had as many jobs created in the last year as is the average it was seven times more jobs created last year as a typical year in the United States in one year, right? Let me just go through some basic stats here, right? Um, we have 5 million more job openings today than unemployed people. We had twice, we had more new jobs created last year than any year in American history. And it's running about two to two and a half times the norm, meaning you're seeing this explosion of entrepreneurship take place. GDP growth was five, almost 6%. Under Republicans, it's averaged 1.9%, three times the growth level of the last three Republicans, right? I mean, I can go on and on right. and on. Wages, wages, wages are going up, up five. Wages are up at six percent yep. over the last 12 months. And so, which is among the highest we've ever seen, right? And so, Anne, if you own stocks, if you own, if you own your house, if you own an apartment, you've seen 20, 30 percent gains in housing, right? And in, if you own stocks, we're still up 11, 12 percent. So, if you look at this economy, even with inflation where it is today, anyone who owns substantial numbers of stocks or owns their own home, which is let's say 50, 55 percent, 60 percent of the country, right, are way ahead on inflation. They're they're better off today than they were, right. And then if you're a wage earner and you just get all of your income through wages, the people who have really fallen behind during this period are people with inefficient cars that have to drive a lot. Gas is driving inflation. It is the thing, and that's those are Republican voters. And so Republican voters are feeling inflation much more intensely than Democratic voters are. And even if you look at food, I tweeted on this you know, yesterday, <clears throat> what inflation means now, at the worst moment it's been, is that your grocery bill, when you factor in the 6% wage gains that you've made, Your grocery bill has effectively gone from $100 to $102.80. I have a hard time believing that an increase in your grocery bill of $2.80 is somehow going to cause this level of disruption in our society. And I think that what's happened is is that that inflation has become the new Republican boogeyman, right? It's Antifa. It's baby killer. It's all these things they describe us. It's vote. You know, pedophile. It's vote stealers, right? Everything. Their whole politics now is that they suck, and they represent us as sucking by some of these words where they have an exclamation at the end that let live for them for two to three months while they exhaust it. And inflation is the current iteration of that, because the truth is inflation is not having anywhere near the kind of economic impact that you would you would think when you look at the data, right? Again, I'm a data guy, right? It's not that it's good. I'm not saying inflation's good. Right. But an overwhelming majority of Americans have gotten have come out ahead. The economy is booming. And and so I think that what we have to do, Joe, is we just have to tell the truth. Right. We have to explain that we've had massive improvement in the American economy. We're going to have a let me I'll conclude here. We've had we're going to have all of our jobs regained in less than three years. The last three recessions it all took more than six years to get all the jobs back, right? And so we can just tell the story that look, the economy is booming, we're doing much better, we're at a historically low unemployment rate, blah 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 blah, and inflation is bigger than we want. But when you look at the gains that people have made in their incomes, it's not nearly as bad as is being perceived in the in the current narrative. Except, by the way, if you have low mileage, if you have cars that are gas guzzlers and you drive a lot. And who's keeping gas prices up? It's Russia and Saudi Arabia, the two good friends of the Trump family. And I think we've got to hang gas prices around the Republicans, rising gas prices, and their coddling of these international, uh, these countries who are keeping gas prices up. We've got to do a better job at explaining to people why gas prices are up. It's not because of Joe Biden. It's because it's because of Donald Trump's family's buddies that are keeping gas prices up in the United States.
1: Yeah, it's also Greg Abbott. Uh, uh launching uh inspections on every truck coming up from Mexico and stalling them on the highways where they're literally he's literally busting the supply chain on purpose uh and creating higher prices some higher food prices and things because of uh, because of that they're they are actively trying to make inflation worse and then use it as the club to repeat the lie over and over again that it's all You know, this is all Biden policies and Democrats when the fact still is. And this is where I get we have worldwide it's the UK is experiencing big inflation. Everybody. That's all two things coming out of covid and, you know, and get where there's now more demand than there was supply because everybody stopped supplying stuff during covid. And, and and yes, that was that's that was the initial problem, and it was you know uh, governments and the Biden administration people working on that, um, and then and then uh, fuel prices, and that's clearly two things. Again, the increase in demand on fuel. I'm driving more than I was during earlier parts of COVID, I'm, and you know, and and Putin uh, and the invasion in, in Ukraine and the disruption there.
0: That, and the Saudis. And the, the Saudis, Saudis too, yeah. Because the Saudis yeah. have refused to increase production to get right. prices down. And I just want to talk about this for one second. Sure, of course. The economic. There's a difference between, there's, inflation is not, the, is not uh, it's all, all inflation is not the same. When you've got rising energy prices, and energy prices going up 20, 30, 40% over a sustained period of time, energy is used to make everything else, right? So right. when energy goes up, everything else goes up too, right? It has a cascading impact, and it's a, it's a multiplier of inflation. And, and so the refusal of the Saudis, for example, to lower energy prices, and for the Trump family, in the middle of this unbelievable global energy crisis, which is weakening economies all around the world right now, and weakening the standard of living for workers everywhere in the entire world, for the Trump family to go into business with the Saudi government, in a time where they're actually doing material harm to the United States and doing material harm to Europe in order to make their, make money, but also I think it's to weaken Joe Biden and the Democrats. They right. want the Democrats. Part of what I think we're witnessing, Joe, is we're witnessing a climate war and, and that the fear of the climate folks who want to transition to the new economy was always going to be is what were the petro powers going to do when they were confronted with the end of their regime and the end of their you know the money that they were making through oil and gas would they fight would they you know would they cooperate with this energy transition and what we're seeing is they're fighting and now what i think is happening is you're seeing the russians and the saudis keeping energy prices up in order to try to weaken western governments the russians want to keep energy prices up so the russian the price to western governments to fight the russians is too high They're making the price of fighting the Saudis and and, pushing democracy and accountability. The the price is high. They're trying to weaken Western governments right now. So This is a climate war we're in now. It's not just a, a conventional war. This is petropowers using the power they have, which is if they can increase prices, they can weaken governments. Macron's race in France is only close now, right? And it's not clear how close it really is. But... The only reason Le Pen is even in the hunt here is because of high inflation in France. And so what they're witnessing is if they keep energy prices high, they can weaken the resolve of the West to fight Russia, to fight the energy transition, to create costs and to have their allies come back into power. The Trump family is now in business with the Saudi government. And and it's not a question of, and so the Republican Party now, the leader of the Republican Party is now publicly aligned with the one of the two countries doing everything they possibly can to keep inflation high. This is something that I think voters need to understand and we need to talk about in the
1: coming months. Well, the other thing about that is I, I would actually make it no, this is autocracy versus democracy period. This is what Putin is counting on, right? The and the Saudis. If the the authoritarian's can work together to we're we're we we have a military war obviously with the invasion of Putin into Ukraine. But we also, how I would put it more, it's an economic war, right? It's about can, who whose people buckle first? And the authoritarians uh, believe that they can put pressure by creating higher f- uh, fuel prices, that it'll be citizens in democracies uh, that will take their leaders out. Long, be, long before Russian citizens who are, you know, you know with, with the propaganda machine coming, that, that Putin can survive it longer than Macron or Biden or, or a Democratic leader who's doing the right thing. And the Republicans are helping them.
0: Right, right. I mean, if you're the Russians, the Chinese and the Saudi, Saudis and others, right, the revival of the West that we've seen in recent months is very dispiriting that right there was a sense the west was divided the united states was being ridden you know being uh, you know you've seen this sort of reactionary forces getting ground here orban was you know was re-elected but what you're really seeing is a revival of the west and 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 that is a threat uh to auto rising the autocrats who believed that things were all going their way and so you're what you're seeing now is a counter to that right you're seeing russia you know, now threatening to use nuclear weapons potentially against the NATO expansion, right, of countries that have stayed out of, you know, we're in a very complicated moment where we've got to get through to the other side. I believe that energy and, and climate is a major piece of this, right? Not for right. all of the autocrats you're describing, right? but it is for some of them, because most of the great, most malevolent governments in the world, Venezuela, Russia, some degree, Saudi Arabia, the Gulf Arab states, right, have had their power and their autocracy fueled by oil, right? The petrodictators right. of the world have been among the greatest pe- cr- creators of instability in the modern era, right? So we're this is a very complicated new landscape that we're entering. I think Joe Biden has done a masterful job in managing this, the revitalization of the West, the language, the, the Zelensky. You now see a champion of democracy from a country like Ukraine, right? Where there's Using language and arguments that are so core and intrinsic to the entire American experience, this great project of America is now living so powerfully in the voices and language of other countries right now. And we're seeing, I think, a revival. I think that what that means is that's a problem for autocracies. They're going to fight even harder. You could see even higher increases in, in fuel before, right. between now and the election in order to weaken the Democratic Party here in the United States. This is a serious matter. And it's up to us, those of us who know better and understand this, to start really sensitizing the public to what's really going on here. Because the part of inflation that is surging, as opposed to being a little bit up, right, it's energy. Right, energy then increases transportation costs. It increases the cost for you know Amazon today just put a fuel surcharge. On, on all of their, they're adding a, a cost to all of their stuff to account for their additional fuel for their trucks, right, in delivery, right? So that's going to now cascade and keep inflation moving up, right? So the energy part of this is incredibly dangerous for the American economy because it is a massive tax on all of us. right And it has, A, it has nothing to do with Joe Biden. And in fact, what he's done is actually done everything he can to mitigate against it. And B, there are, you know, actors who are now working against the United States. And the two main ones are the most closely identified allied countries to the Trump family in the entire world. The Trump family is in league with the people that are causing inflation in the United States. The Republican Party's in league with these people. It's time that we level with the American people about what's happening here, in my view.
1: No, it's it's the same point, though. If inflation's happening everywhere then that can't be, it's all because of what you're talking about, Um, the reasons we've been talking about, uh, not not Joe Biden. He didn't create inflation in the UK or France or any of those places. And then secondly, whose economy is growing faster and creating more jobs than any other economy in the world, right? I mean, which has recovered the the quickest and the strongest? There's only one. I mean, it's us, the United States, Joe Biden. And, And again, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it's it's those are the facts. We just uh, got to get louder about those facts and the contrast and make it a choice, not a referendum. I mean, one of the things that I know Alex wanted to talk about was the uh, Greg Sargent had a column in the post uh, about this where, where Brian Schatz said we need them to, to make more noise particularly, you know, talking about how McConnell openly laughing at the idea that any Dem will get a SCOTUS nominee through a Republican Senate. You know, we've got to be louder about and repetitive about about the things we're talking about and also to make the, about making it a choice, not not a referendum.
2: Yeah, it's not just a a, a repetition yeah, yeah. problem. It's a, it's a loudness problem. So yeah. Simon definitely wanted your take on. That. I think I read yeah. it from from yeah, your, your Twitter. So the the follow on yeah, is yeah. this. This almost gets to the core of the question, which is like, why are we seeing it from like your? I, I, seriously, in in my feed. and and from actually gotten a lot of questions from listeners after your last time on the pod, we're seeing it from you. We're not seeing it from a lot of other people, which is just crazy to me.
0: Well, let me just say that uh, this concept of getting loud is so important. I mean, I was this chief outside strategic advisor to the DCCC in the 2018 cycle, and getting loud was how we ran the committee. It's how we ran the election in 2018. We knew that from analysis we had done in 2016, there had been a massive drop-off from Clinton voting for Clinton down to many House races. My belief from having done this research is that our candidates weren't loud enough and people didn't, our own voters didn't know they were there. And, and they didn't vote for them. There was a drop-off in the ballot, right? And, and it was a substantial drop-off. There were, there were competitive races where the drop-off from Clinton to the House Democratic candidate in 2016 was 10 points. I don't know that we've ever seen those kinds of gaps before in in modern history. So what we did in 2018 is we said we're going to get loud. And getting loud also makes it harder for your opponent to flood the zone with propaganda, disinformation, negative attacks, all those things. It's a a virtuous way of conducting business, right? Which is, look, I was in the war room. The war room wasn't about rapid response. This is sort of a, a myth. The war room was about controlling the information environment. And and not allowing the other side to control the information environment. And the most important way you control the information environment is by being loud, is by getting out in front, having a clear argument, being very loud about it, and getting your, your stuff out there first to make them defend against you as opposed to always playing defense. I think the problem with rapid response is that it assumes the other side is getting out ahead of you. Right. Sure. We have to, it's all about going well, offense. And so let me just make this point is that, because I want to, uh, I know we we're getting to the end. I want to be optimistic about this, right? All of these problems are fixable problems for us. I would rather be us than them. I'd rather be the party that created 42 million out of 44 million jobs. I'd rather be the party that's seen the lowest unemployment rate in history. I'd, I'd rather be the party that's gotten 6 million people health insurance and have near record lows on poverty. and and uninsured that we're seeing now. I'd rather be us than them every day of the week. What we, the changes we have to make in the way we conduct ourselves, I think is very much consistent with Joe's book that he wrote almost 20 years ago, which is that we're living in an always on information environment. And if we're not showing up and being loud every day, we're conceding ground to them. And we have to change our politics Everyone has to do their part. This is something, this is very trippy in, right? Everyone has a role to play here. We all have to be louder. We all have to do our part. Our electeds though, have to lead. And the institutions of the DNC, the DSCC, the DCCC, the official side on the House and Senate, the governors, everyone in our party has to get louder because they are louder than we are. And it it is putting us on the defensive, even on things with our own voters. I mean, look, I spend a lot of time with candidates who are running in 2022, and it is incredible how defensive they feel. They are. Their information environment is wildly hostile to Democrats right now. Um, and, and, and so we've got to take responsibility for telling our story, being loud. And I'm optimistic that we can, but it starts now. This is not a thing where the ads kick in in late August. By that point, it's too late. We're down. Then we, because here's what we learned in 2016, by holding to the end and not being always on and, and engaging early, right? You then inevitably start your election down. And the prescription for when you're down is you go negative on them. And what happens is you go negative on them. No one ever makes the positive case for your candidate. And you have no way of getting your numbers up, right? And so there's a model of our politics, which has no way of actually winning elections because no one's ever making the positive case for our candidates. So it's my prescription and my argument is that the entire Democratic Party has to start spending now. We can't wait, we're down, we gotta get our positives up. Everybody's got to engage now. There's gotta be massive flooding of organic media. We've gotta turn on now. If we don't, it's going to be too late by July or August to recoup the the, law, you know, the gains, it just will be too late. The, the election will be baked. And so I think there's an urgency to the Democratic Party turning on now and, and just start, look, our donors, if we spend money on media and we make this election close, our donors will give us the money on the back end to make sure we can end strong. They're not gonna give us money on the back end if we're losing and we look like we didn't fight hard enough. And this fight, the fight is what matters. They need to see us fighting. The reason our voters are disengaged is because we're not engaging them, and so we've got to turn on. And everything I just told you is stuff that Joe Trippi was talking about, 17, 18 years ago. Well,
1: it's actually one of the reasons we, uh, you know, we started the the union. You know, urged people to go to jointheunion.us was because. Uh, uh, to create that place where thousands of Americans, liberal, you know, I mean, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, former Republicans, independents, anybody who cares about democracy and the problems, that, uh, you know, and, and protecting uh, it in this next election, to go there where we could have a comms corps that amplifies the these messages that we're talking about, it, it, you know, and start to build a citizen's movement, mostly because I didn't, wasn't... Been, I, I too hoped that somebody else would do it, but it hasn't happened yet. So w- we created that, but it's also a thing about I think we have to get uh, uh you know one of the reasons I joined the Lincoln project is that they're loud, they take it to them and they and they and they know how how to to not be reactive or to at least leverage any reaction uh to push back hard. And we have to have all those components and they, it's got to be a broad-based uh, pro-democracy coalition, in my view, uh, Simon. Where, where yes, Democrats are out there hard pushing, but something like the union, where everybody can uh, can become uh, an amplifier of the message or uh, be plugged into whether it's Fair Fight Georgia or a campaign in in uh, in Texas. Uh, if you want to be active out there, you can you can join and become part of this. Because I'm with Simon, we got to turn everything on now. Um, and we do have to get on the air uh, and in uh, people's inboxes everywhere with these messages that are not defensive, but but start to build um, the the narrative that this is a choice, not a referendum. And the choice is clear uh, when you look at the record of the Biden administration.
0: And Joe, if I can just conclude, I know we're at the end, is that the choice though, isn't a choice unless you establish what you've done.
1: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and so I'm the waiting.
0: first part of what you're saying is, here's what we've done, grade us on that, and here's why we think they're unfit and shouldn't be elected. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I joke. My one of my lines is that every election going back to caveman days. Is my candidate sucks, but your guy sucks more, right? And and that in this case, it's really true that you know that they, you know, they're dangerous and risky, and they have no, you know, the stuff they're proposing is crazy. What Abbott's doing is crazy, and the reason why all this social, you know, all this um, culture war stuff is having any impact at all is because we're not flooding the zone, we're not filling the right. space. It's 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 walking into an information vacuum. This stuff is obviously very secondary. To most voters, what people care about is jobs and healthcare and the basics, right? But if they're not hearing that from us, then it creates space for the secondary set of culture war stuff to, you know, bleed into the into the discourse. I want to just say to your listeners that, despite everything we said today, and Joe and I are grizzled warriors of decades and decades of the battle here, I'd rather be us than them. I'm optimistic about this election, in part, if you really are honest about the polling, right? they have a low ceiling they are not gaining ground we may be down but they're not gaining and it's because people voted against maga in 2018 and 2020 in huge numbers into the highest turnout elections of them ever and so there are lots and lots of swing suburban voters that voted twice against maga who are not going to easily run back into maga's arms in 2022 and it's why i'm still optimistic that this may be like a college basketball game right? If it's close in the last two minutes, anything can happen. I think this thing's going to be close. I think they have a low ceiling. That's why we have to get relentless about talk, telling the positive story of our good of our good works. If we can do that, I think this is going to be a competitive election. If we don't, I don't think it will be.
1: Well, I agree with that. And also, uh, our listeners know I've been actually uh, pretty optimistic about um, our prospects for 2022. I, I still think that they're is a better chance of Democrats holding the House and the Senate than the than the pundits uh, and CW folks out there talk about uh, and talking heads. It I, again, the for a bunch of reasons, but primarily I think they're they're nominating, they're helping us. They're going to nominate people that are crazy, uh, like they did in 2010, and that helped a lot. Then it, I think it's going to help a lot now. And I do th- agree with you, I'd rather be us than them. And I, the third is there's more of us than them. We just got to make sure our people come out and vote. So it's it's those three things make me feel pretty optimistic. If we can build the, the energy out there, um, if, if there are enough Americans who join, you know, whether it's the Union or, or the DNC or something else, but but to get plugged in, be active, understand the threat and do our damnedest to fight it and win uh, I think we I'd much rather be us than them and um, and Simon uh, you know thank you so much for coming on um I think we're we're out of time I want to thank all of you for listening to that trippy show. follow Simon on Twitter at simonwDC uh We'll be back next week. We've got a few more special guests lined up. Uh, and uh, we'll be excited for you to hear about them uh, and from them. Um, the one thing, we will put uh, uh, links uh, to some of uh, the things Simon's been writing about uh, in our show notes. Uh, please check that out at end. And, of course, please subscribe to That Trippy Show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that Trippy Show at gmail.com or leave us a question or review on iTunes. Simon, thanks again.